A reading from the third chapter of the prophet Malachi, beginning with the first verse. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. A reading from the third chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with verse 1. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Eturia and Trachontus and Lysanias ruler of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have I told y'all yet that I don't like making sermon titles? I hate it. Because y'all done looked at it and judged the whole sermon already. You said purposeful waiting. What in the world does that mean, right? I don't even know what it means. But I needed it to get me where I was going today. I think I did, but I could have said, what if we were waiting in love? Boy, that would have been good, wouldn't it? Waiting in love. I've used that before, though, and it just didn't quite work for me. Something didn't work, I remembered. So what can I say about waiting when we just say Christ is the way and everybody hates waiting? Isn't that true? Don't you hate waiting? Anybody here love to wait on something? Anybody? Listen, before Amazon brought that Prime thing around, you would have caught me driving three hours to buy something before I'd have ever ordered it online. My wife's here. Is that right, Samantha? It's just a fact. And sometimes I will still do it because I don't want to wait two days. I don't like to wait. If you like to wait, God bless you. Will you teach me? I can't stand waiting. 
And do you know that when something's not right, waiting is even harder? How have you felt those days when you walked into the car dealership and they said, oh, well, it appears that the computer in your van is going bad. You'll have to wait for one. Poor Van, he's been having that problem. <laughs> or you go and talk to somebody about a problem you have, and they tell you, well, just wait. Just wait. And you know that somehow that's good advice, but it just stirs up in us this kind of desire of, no, I don't want to wait on anything. I want it now. And what we ought to be able to see somehow if we look out at our culture is that a lack of ability to wait is destroying us. We want everything right now. We want every problem resolved right now. We want justice right now. Somebody's on trial. And we want all the talking heads on the news channels to tell us what's going to happen. We can't stand waiting. So how in the world are we supposed to wait for Jesus? And then I got to thinking, I need a title with weight in it, don't I? See how I got there? And I said, but nobody wants to wait. And as soon as they see that, they're going to tune the sermon out and be like, we ain't waiting on nothing. Especially this preacher to make sense. Waiting is hard. And when we hear what Malachi said to the people of Israel that the day would come when even their leaders would offer offerings in righteousness. That ought to kind of strike a blow in us. It ought to make us think about how things are in the world. I feel like sometimes that when I put my trust in someone, I'm just kind of waiting for them to let me down. You know what I mean? And I was thinking about that verse and how it relates to me. And really what Malachi is talking about in that passage is, is their clergy. He's talking about their preachers, their pastors, the temple leaders. Talking about the priests who served God at the temple. And I thought, man, that's heavy. That these people couldn't trust the people that were supposed to come before them and teach them the way of God. And because of that, the whole nation was falling and falling, and falling. They were like a sheep without a shepherd, one of the prophets says. And I thought, how am I waiting? Right? How am I waiting for Jesus? And I realized that my waiting has to have purpose if I want your waiting for Jesus to have purpose. Does that make sense? Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to figure out how to be perfect for y'all. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But what it should mean is that I should desire for my waiting to be purposeful and not a waste of time. And the church has long understood our waiting for the return of Christ in exactly that way. That we do not wait in vain that the Messiah will return and bring with him all of those who have died in Christ and the dead will be raised and we will all be together forever. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. You see, for Christians, life after death isn't what matters. It's life after life after death. 
we inherit a new world where God will be with us and it says God will wipe the tears from our eyes. Something worth hoping for. Something worth waiting for. It's much better than anything I could ever order off of Amazon, but how in the world am I to wait for it? And it seems like I must have to wait with a purpose. There must be some reason for the waiting. In one of Peter's letters, he says that the church shouldn't give up hope and let people who scoff at the idea of Jesus coming back talk us into giving up. And he says what we need to know is that God is long-suffering and not willing that anyone should perish. And I got to thinking, maybe our purpose is to tell others about Jesus. And we wait for Jesus by telling other people about Jesus. And what we most need to do, church, please hear this. We need to be authentic in our waiting. Authentic. I got to thinking about it. If I'm going to wait on purpose as a preacher, I can't be up here representing myself to you as perfect because my wife is here and she knows I ain't perfect. She's heard me say things I wouldn't want y'all to hear me say. She's seen me be frustrated. She's seen me be disappointed. She's seen me be depressed. She's seen me be sad. She's seen me feel like giving up. But isn't that just authentic to who we all are? Don't we all go through that same thing? And if we're going to wait for this Jesus with authenticity, then we have to be able to say to one another, I've been there. I know what that's like. What you're going through, I've been through. Can I wait with you? Oh, but not just that. Because what Malachi says isn't just for the priest that he's talking to. It's not just for the leaders. It's for the whole nation of Israel. The day will come when God will get it all straightened out. So wait faithfully. Wait purposefully. Don't give up. That's Malachi's message to the people. Don't give up. And Luke would tell us something a little further. Did you notice that when he's telling us how this situation happened, when it happened, who it was, he says, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, Did you hear that, church? In the 15th year of the reign of the person who thought he was in power of everything, who thought everything was under his control. When Pontius Pilate was appointed by him to be governor of Judea. When Herod was propped up by Rome to be governor of another region. When Philip was propped up by Rome to be governor of another region. And some guy named Lysanias, and we don't even know who he is outside of the Bible, was propped up by Rome to be in charge. Politically in charge. And not only that, when Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, you see, the, in the Jewish tradition, Annas remains high priest until he dies, and then Caiaphas becomes high priest. But Rome had said, no, Caiaphas is high priest. They kept control even of that by naming a high priest instead of letting them succeed one another at death. And here's the thing, dear ones, what I want you to see is that the Word of God didn't come to Tiberius 
The word of God didn't come to Pilate. The word of God didn't come to Herod. It didn't come to Philip. It didn't come to Lysanias. What Luke says is the word of God came to a little peasant kid out in the desert named John. A son, a son of a priest. One of the ones who was faithful and waiting for the Lord to return and set things right. And the word of God came to him declaring that now is the time. Go and make Ready, the people of God. Go and prepare the way so that they can receive the one who is the way. And he came. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Not only did he come, he lived amongst us. He died for us. He suffered for us. He was raised for us. And he's ascended to heaven and he has promised to return. And just as John the Baptist was faithful in his waiting, we too wait, not for the one who will come by permission of political powers, but the one who comes by his own permission to bring his own kingdom, a kingdom worth waiting for. How do we wait? One of the things that the church has long done To wait for Christ is something that Jesus himself told us to do, to receive this holy meal of communion. I want to share with you something that that John Wesley wrote about the means of grace. He said, by means of grace, I understand outward signs, words or actions ordained of God and appointed for this end to be the ordinary channels whereby he might convey to us preventing, justifying, or sanctifying grace. John Wesley said of this meal that this is a way that God gives grace to us. And in our tradition, we believe that Jesus is truly and really present in the bread and the cup. And that when we receive those things, we receive his very life. Because we are what we eat. We receive within ourselves the hope of Christ, the faith of Christ. We receive within ourselves the ability to wait. And to wait with a purpose. To be a people who share the good news that grace is available through Christ. That this life is worth living even while we wait in the midst of a world that tries its best to make life hard to live. Oh, dear ones. Do you see what's before you today? Before you is the chance to receive the very grace of God into yourselves. To be equipped to live in waiting. To be equipped to be purposeful. To have a purpose. Oh man, people have asked me, what's my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is. Why do I exist? I can tell you why you exist. To wait for Jesus. And to wait by proclaiming Jesus in everything that you say and do. To love the unlovable. To love the hurting. To care for everyone that He would have cared for if He were walking with you. To follow Him into rooms where people are hurting and sad. To follow Him into the life of people who feel outcast from the world. To follow Him into the life of people who other people say don't matter or God forbid are beneath them. Do you hear me, church? We have a purpose, and this meal equips us to live out that purpose and to wait with purpose. Oh, in your baptism. In your baptism, you received the Holy Spirit who gave you a voice. 
who gave you a word to speak. It won't be the same word the Spirit gives me. It won't be the same word the Spirit has given to your neighbor, but the Spirit has given you a voice to cry out. Just as John the Baptist cries out. You're not sent into the world to hit your easy chair or to ride the bench. There are no second string quarterbacks here. We're all on the first team. We're all sent out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to make straight the crooked path. To prepare others to hear the good news of repentance and forgiveness of sins. That is how we wait. By being who He recreates us to be. Messengers of the good news of Jesus. And this meal, dear ones, prepares us and equips us to do it. If you will receive it in faith, I promise you today, you receive into your very selves the risen Christ. This is no bare remembrance, no bare memorial. In this, Christ makes us one with Himself and one with each other so that we can wait for Him, not in anxiety, not in fear, but with purpose. I promise you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.